All right, everyone, uh, welcome back. On today's Unqualified Opinions, we've got an interview with Julian Genestow, who's the founder and CEO of Unlock, which is working on some really cool applications to make it easier to access information online. This is bypassing paywalls, making sure that you can get access to multiple sites through sharing private keys uh, to these services uh, they're through their non-fungible tokens. So a, a lot of different topics we cover from uh, his experience at Medium and, and crypto origin story to how you can bootstrap a two-sided uh, content marketplace and ultimately unlock value for these content creators. Before we get into that, a quick word on our sponsors, Token Tax and Token Soft. Masari's Unqualified Opinions is brought to you by our sponsors at Token Tax and Token Soft. Taxes suck. We all know it. And crypto taxes are even worse. I know because I spent days last year trying unsuccessfully to piece together the mess that was my crypto tax return. And I needed a platform that could pull from a variety of exchanges, wallets, and other crypto sources I used to help identify cost basis and actual gains and losses for the year. Token tax saved me. Not only do they have an intuitive platform, they also have excellent customer support from real CPAs. No one loves paying taxes, but with the tax deadline just one month away in the U.S., you can go to tokentax.co right now to get started and save time and money on your taxes. Issuing a digital security on the blockchain is a lot of work, particularly on the compliance side of things, at least if you want to do it right. TokenSoft works with top legal and financial experts to make sure your digital assets are secure and compliant. The company leads the market in providing tools to support tax, banking, and securities regulations for digital asset issuers. To learn more about how TokenSoft and their new Knox wallet could help you with issuance, management, and custody of digital assets or securities, you can visit TokenSoft.io or follow them on Twitter at TokenSoft, Inc. <laughs> count, uh, but we're going to number them on iTunes, so it's a little bit easier for folks to catch up. Uh, this is brought to you by our sponsors, Token Tax and Token Soft, uh, who you just heard from if you're listening on iTunes. If you're tuning into the live stream, uh, check them out on uh, Token Tax and Token Soft. I'm today joined uh, by a buddy of mine, one of the only guys in the industry uh, who is my size. <laughs> so we weren't sure if we were going to be able to both fit on camera. Um, because we're, we're a little bit close here. But uh, Julian uh, Genisto is the co-founder and, or founder and founder, CEO, yeah. single yep. founder yep. and CEO of Unlock, um, which we're going to talk a bit about. He was previously a lead engineer at Medium, uh, so has a lot of really interesting ideas about content aggregation, how we can break down paywalls, how we can make it easier for people to more um, fluidly navigate the, the information economy on the web since so many um, research and information businesses are starting to paywall some of their content or at least incorporate freemium models. So yeah. this is something that we've actually had uh, professional conversations around. I'm sure there might be uh, some things that we could do long term. But uh, Julian is a, a tremendous thinker and, and, and really good guy to hang out with. So excited to uh, have this conversation. Julian, let's start with the, the super basics. So uh, crypto trajectory, yep. right? Uh, when did you get in? Um, how did you go from medium to, to unlock? Um, let's just hear the creation story. Sure. Because it, it, I remember when we first talked about it, I was a little, I was skeptical yeah. uh, about the market timing of some of what you were working on. But I've since seen so many other businesses, including our own, start to put up paywalls yep. and, and, and lieu of ads. 
And uh, it seems like you're in position to absolutely nail the, the market timing of this, and, and it's really cool. So, yeah. So, uh, so maybe, take it away. Maybe start with, uh, as you said, like first exposure to Bitcoin or to crypto, and like, that was Bitcoin. Uh, was kind of a, it's a funny story. Uh, it started basically June 2011, so pretty early on. And because at the time I was working in a startup called Superfeeder, uh, which mm -hmm. I later sold to Medium, and one of my contractors wanted to be paid in Bitcoin. And to me, it's like, what? <laughs> I had no idea like, what Bitcoin was at the time. And he said, no, no, I, he was very um, anarchist, I'd say. And it's like, I don't believe in the US dollar. It's actually based in Germany. And it's like, I don't want to be paid in US dollars. I want to be paid in a, in a web native currency, which is Bitcoin. And at, at the time, I was like, what, the, what is this? So I call my, my CPA and tell them, hey, we've got this contractor. He wants to be paid with Bitcoin. How do we do that? And the CPA says, well, I have no idea what that is. The thing that I'm suggesting you do is you go find whatever that is in dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, you pay yourself with that amount of dollars. And then you do whatever magic you need to do to pay that guy with Bitcoin. <laughs> and so that's literally how I got exposed to Bitcoin first. And the funny part of this Most is, expensive contractor of all time. Probably, <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, at the same time... I'm sure there's a number of those, right? Uh, the, the, by chance, there is some change left. Uh, mm -hmm. So at the same time, yes, very expensive contractor, but also like... Pay for itself. <laughs> pay for itself, exactly, over the years. So the, 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 the funny story is that um, at the time I was in France and I had to find Bitcoins in France and I don't think there was any way to get this. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to Mongox um, and Mongox had, I mean, or still had, I don't know, um, a French founder, uh, Marc Capilis is actually French. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me to uh, make a wire transfer to his French bank account. <laughs> Uh, and which I did, and actually got an email from him to say, hey, this is my bank account information uh, in France. Like, whoa. <laughs> and so I literally like paid him, I mean, wired money to him, uh, and then uh, later got paid uh, in Bitcoin, uh, which I <laughs> left out of the exchange, so I didn't do the, mis the rookie mistake. Uh, and so I happen to have kept uh, some of this over the years. So not, not only did you keep that early Bitcoin, but it was direct uh, exchange with Mark. Yes, more carefully. So it's like double, like double the, the, the OG creds, I guess. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It doesn't get much more OG than that. Yeah. Um, um, so after yeah. this, to be honest, um, I kind of dropped the ball. I was like, pretty quickly, I was like, this is, I mean, okay, this is fun. This is definitely like the geeky project that you might want to be exploring. But also was working very much on the web. And to me, it's like, this is way too far from what the web, from, from the web and like mm -hmm. how to make it work together seems completely impossible at the time. Um, Kind of a fast forward a couple of years, uh, my good friend Yann was at, uh, at um, Yann Ranchier was at uh, Infamous. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was actually in daycare with Yann, or maybe primary school with Yann in France. Uh, email me and say, hey, you should look at this Ethereum thing uh, because you care so much about the open web uh, and we're looking at this early on. And I looked at the docs, looked at a bunch of things, and it was, again, like very early on. So I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was no mainnet at the time. And mm -hmm. I looked at this, and I'm like, this seems, okay, I can, I start to feel like this is starting to become close to what I care about on the web, but still, like, too far. And so we're still doing Superfeed at the time, kind of dropped the ball without really getting involved in that, which is, I guess, a mistake uh, at the time. Um, but later on, uh, sold my Superfeeder company to Medium mm -hmm. uh, and worked for Medium for about two years. Uh, and the first year was doing a bunch of uh, open web stuff. The second year was more toward monetization. So Medium, and I, I think we're going to get into the weeds of like how I got exposed to, to crypto, but also how why I think this is important for the web, not so much for the sake of crypto. Are you responsible for this sudden shift in monetization? Not responsible for this, but basically, uh, so Medium, a lot of people assume... You just happened to leave and start a, a paywall unlocking business. Uh, after, no, after, after, no, so let, let, me, let me give you the full story. I think it's actually pretty, pretty funny. So Medium, before I started and after I started, was kind of trying to make ads work. Mm -hmm. um, and 
failed. Like basically the CPMs that we're getting were abysmal and there was no way we could make this work without completely degrading the reading experience. And if you, if you use Medium, there's one thing that Medium does very well is actually providing a great reading experience or yes. used to do that. I don't know if that's true anymore, but at the time that was kind of the thing. It was like Medium, you go there, you've got a pretty clean slate and you can read without being distracted by a million things. Um, and same so, is true for publishers, by the way. It's it rid ridiculously easy to, to properly write, format course, exactly. and, and, yeah, exactly. and, and, and drag and drop things. And so we quickly realized, I like, said, hey, if we want to put ads, we're going to degrade that thing and make Medium not worth being, or not Medium anymore, basically. Mm -hmm. And so we moved forward into discussions like, hey, if we're not going to make ads, uh, and it's pretty obvious that already at the time, kind of the, the early, uh, early, like, little hints of, uh, paywalls uh, started to work here and there, like New York Times, uh, uh, Wall Street Journal, obviously. Uh, we realized at Medium that charging for content was really the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and so Medium introduced a very uh, a dumb paywall, like a regular paywall, where basically there's a bunch of stories that are behind the paywall. At, in the beginning, they were only commission stories, so not even like mm -hmm. the stories that you and I mm -hmm. could write. Uh, and pretty quickly, Medium started to make decent amount of funding, of money through this. Um, I, I don't think I can give the numbers, but that was surprising to me, at least, and to other people on the team. Like, all right, this is actually working more than what we expected. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to realize, like, hey, I, actually, when you ask people to pay for stuff, if they care about this stuff, they're actually willing to pay for this. Mm -hmm. We moved away from the belief from, like, 15 or 20 years ago that information wants to be free, in a sense, like, people will never pay for anything. If you make something that people care about, they're actually going to pay for this. And that is, to me, very good news. Like, something like, hey, all right, maybe the web isn't doomed after all. Like, we're not going to be mm -hmm. using ads forever with all of the pre-privacy challenges and all of the wrong incentive that it puts in the market. Yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about Medium, sure. right? Because yeah. I think we want yeah. to spend the most of the time talking about Unlock. Um, but one, one question I've had, did you guys ever consider a white labeled CMS? Because that's like, we would pay a lot of money. For yeah, that. so that was, so uh, <laughs> because again, we, like, I, I don't like, know that CMS is suck and yeah. Medium like figure that out. And so as a publisher, if we were able to control <laughs> Uh, our content. I this, I this was I definitely. It's, it's a I mean, point. in many discussions, yeah. uh, I don't know that I can tell very much about this, but obviously, this was something that we thought about, yeah. uh, and in the end, um, decided not to do. Uh, for because I think the main reason is like our goal is to make it easy for people to read and learn content, not so much easy for. I mean, and that goes for publishers being able mm -hmm. to write content, but more importantly, is like let's make it easy for people to discover great stories yeah. uh, out there. Yeah, and so that's kind of the medium thing. Uh, medium paywall, interesting. But very quickly, I also realized that, hey, we're building this for Medium. It's solving Medium's problem is great, but I want us to solve kind of the web's problem because the problem that Medium had at mm -hmm. the time, not being able to monetize with ads, is a problem that every single creator or publisher online is finding these days. And I mean, Masari last year, or you say, hey, we're gonna use ads. And as you said, like, I think people are slowly figuring out that ads are not as magical as they seem to be or used mm -hmm. to be. Uh, and charging for content is probably the way to go. So Unlock is really about like building a protocol that lets any creator monetize in a completely permissionless way by putting a paywall or other kinds of um, limitation on their websites for people to pay mm -hmm. to bypass these. Uh, so the, the, the most challenging thing in my eyes that you guys are tackling is this two-sided market problem. And usually with two-sided markets, you need to have some way to bootstrap at least one of the sides very quickly. Um, and, and with content, the numbers, the unit economics are, are very challenging because the numbers are small, right? So how do, you, how do you get people to buy in on the content uh, producer side of things <clears throat> when they might only be charging five bucks a month 
right? Um, so at, at the margin, you know, it, it, is it is it going to is the you know juice going to be worth the squeeze um, for incorporating a tool like this versus just putting up their own you know paywall through PayPal or whatever? Yeah, so putting your own paywall is actually fairly complicated. Like in practice, mm-hmm. it's something that is involved in terms of like development. Uh, one of the analysis that I take all the time is in two thousand four, I think when Google introduced AdWords and AdSense. Mm-hmm. You would go to the website, create an account, and it would be, at the time, very, very simple, and it'd give you a little snippet of code that you slap on your pages, and boom, you had ads. Mm-hmm. This is literally the same kind of experience that we're trying to achieve. We're not trying to go and to say, hey, you could build the whole like, overture or double-click experience for publishers, or you can build a very dumb experience where it's like, hey, I'm going to create an account, put that thing, and I've got a paywall. And to, to us, like, by making it really easy for publishers to do so, we're going to make it uh, something that can become web scale. That makes sense. How many different CMSs do you guys work with? Do you have your own CMS? At this or point, is we, it, no, we're really just the paywall. Right? Just the, for now, we so unlock is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Is a couple of different things. The first one is is the protocol, which is a bunch of smart contract on Ethereum. I think we should have started with this. Basically, a bunch of smart contract on the Ethereum chain, right? Uh, and then after this, we're building what we call apps that are using that unlock protocol to mm-hmm. do different things. One of the apps, which is the one that is uh, out there today and being used by people, is the paywall. So you go on unlock, you create your smart contract. And then you can very easily get a snippet of code that you put on your web page that will hide kind of most of the content on that page, uh, prevent scrolling, and that only the users that have paid for that content can actually see. That's mm-hmm. the first app. But we can build many, many apps. What's interesting is that we can build a newsletter app. So we say, hey, I'm gonna only going to send an email to my subscribers who have actually purchased a key to my lock. And mm-hmm. that's actually fairly trivial to build as well. So that's a second app that we might be building in the future. Well, the, um, the, the challenge, it seems, is um, there's, there's two challenges with paid content. There's um, the actual CMS integrations, mm-hmm. and then there's the payment processing, normally. Um, you guys are doing it with crypto, so I'm not sure what type of, uh, of, of tools you're providing for, for you know, businesses yeah. or individuals. How, how does that work right now? So for crypto, for, uh, I mean, you're right. We do that with crypto at this point. Is basically when a creator creates a lock, as I said, it's a smart contract on the Ethereum chain. And mm-hmm. right now, they set a price in ETH. They say each key purchase is going to be 0.1 ETH, which is like mm-hmm. 15 bucks or something like this. You can decide, I mean, as a creator, you can obviously get to decide the, the price that you set. And then it's basically the lock is deployed at that at a given address. And if I want to gain access, I just need to send the correct amount of ETH to that mm-hmm. address. So it's really making a payment on chain with that. For now, we only support MetaMask and all of the Web3 wallets. So if you're using actually Coinbase wallet or Trust wallet, that actually works the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Opera, uh, which actually has a wallet integrated in the, in the browser, works the same. So this is already working with any kind of crypto wallet out there, which is pretty cool. Uh, the next step for us is to be able to go out there and tell, hey, if you have consumers that don't care about crypto or don't have a crypto wallet, you should be able to charge them as well. And what we're going to do in that case is basically unlock the company, we'll do the transaction on-chain on behalf of these users and ask them to pay us with their credit card. Mm-hmm. So this time we're allowing anybody to kind of do crypto transaction, um, but rather than tell them, hey, you go on Coinbase and then you come back and then you do the transaction, we'll do the, purchases, the purchase on-chain on your behalf mm-hmm. and then we'll charge you with your credit card for this. Um, the uh, so let, let's let's walk through some of the numbers, right? So yep. if if we had um, you know twenty five bucks a month, right, yep. uh, for for our, our newsletter, um, and someone wanted to sign up through Unlock, we integrated with you. Um, they the process uh, for any of our users is is relatively 
the same yeah. as, as any other uh, checkout process. Um, what is different in terms of the fee mechanism or in terms of the way that the keys are provisioned, either on a per use or time basis? Um, how, how do you make sure that people have the same access and yeah. it's streamlined um, versus um, you know, a, a legacy system where you know, there's really nothing that prevents you from forwarding that or yeah. you know, sharing the keys or passwords. So that's still the same. Basically, we're mm -hmm. not reinventing how content is encrypted or on mm -hmm. the for this. Uh, one thing that is, I think, very different is that you don't need to set up a specific account for every single publisher. Basically, the idea is that if you've got your Ethereum identity, which is your public-private key pair, you can purchase access by just making a transaction on every single website that you mm -hmm. want. It's a very simple, like one-click purchase kind of process. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's simpler, I think, to, to pay with crypto in that sense. What's interesting is that when you pay, you actually receive a non-fungible token. You receive a key, as we call it, to the lock, which is yours and yours only. It's like a crypto kitty, except that it doesn't have a nice uh, skin. It just has a, the capability of allowing you to view the content on a given website. Mm -hmm. And so we strongly believe that this is actually a very interesting consequence of using crypto in that world is that rather than having your subscription sit on the publisher's database, it now sits between you and the publisher in the public, in the, in the, mm -hmm. on, on chain, literally, which means that you can start to think about things like trading it. So it's like, hey, you've got a key to Masari uh, and you think it's great, but you're going to go on vacation and you don't want to take this for a couple of months. You can actually sell that key to somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, in that context, what's interesting as well is that like, Masari, as the lock owner, can actually take a fee on the secondary market. So as a creator, now not only you can monetize the primary market, which is kind of obvious, but you can also monetize the secondary market in a sense like if people trade keys back and forth, mm -hmm. if we share a New York Times subscription, New York Times doesn't make any money, if we actually have the key go back and forth, there is a little amount of money that is being made by, by, by uh, the creator or Messari in that case. So you're, you're, you're leaking a little bit of value regardless of who you are as a publisher. Um, in that you know subscribers are ultimately going to forward, share, print out, yes. like redistribute to limited circle. This, at least uh, when you're provisioning the keys, if someone has a MetaMask wallet or, or, or a crypto wallet, um, they're getting taxed, essentially, for any transfer. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So, um, so what... And so, uh, just to clarify, of, so that $25 per... Per month, does the does the NFT expire? So basically, the key is, and an, an, if so, you say twenty five dollar per month. One of the things that we're working on at Unlock is limiting the duration of that subscription. So it's not something that is necessarily recurring, but that key is valid for twenty five days or thirty days a mm -hmm. month, right? At the end of that period, that key is not working anymore. It's you need to acquire a new key. We can do renewal processes where you chop up kind of that key and, mm -hmm. and you can re, re, buy a new one. But the idea is that if you transfer this halfway through the month it's likely that the person on the other side is only paying for half the price of the yeah. key, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to expand on the idea of like discovery and kind of leaking content out there. One thing that we strongly believe at, uh, at Unlock is that the web is powerful because there is referrals, because initially we had a way to link to a different website. So I, I write a blog post and I link to your site and then you link to somebody else's site. This whole idea is basically referrals. Like I'm, I'm voting for that content to, I mean, literally in the page rank world, which is like Google's way of ranking site, it's a vote where I say, hey, if I make a link to that site, I believe that this, this site is trustworthy. Uh, we want to build a similar mechanism inside of Unlock. And the way we do that is by saying, if you own a key and you share that content with somebody else, and that somebody else eventually purchase access to the same content, you should be rewarded as kind of the person making the referral. Mm -hmm. And not rewarded by the creator, because the creator in that context probably doesn't have ways to reward you, 
but by the network. And if you think about it, it's actually very similar to how credit card, uh, credit system, I mean, credit card works in the US. When you go down the street, purchase coffee with your Visa point, card, you, don't, you get Visa points, you don't get coffee points. Mm -hmm. These points that you get on Visa are like network-wide that you can later apply to like airline miles or hotel stays and stuff like this. On Unlock, it's similar. You do make a referral, you get points that you can later apply on the network to get discounts. And that's why it's a protocol because it's basically a thing where if I, as a creator, decide to use a lock, uh, that means that people will have an incentive to share my content. Mm -hmm. And then I'm willing for some users to actually grant discounts based on the amount of points that they have. Where are you right now in the customer onboarding process? Uh, so in terms of folks that are tinkering around with this, it, it's still very early. You started this you know, uh, uh, company mid last year, right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, but um, is, are there still products, milestones that need to be hit before the ships? So it uh, ships. Yeah. So we have what we call V0, which mm -hmm. ships out there. And if you go to my blog, and uh, I mean, maybe I'll, we'll put that in the show notes, sure. but uh, you can go there and you can easily w see what that is. And if you have mm -hmm. got a, a wallet, MetaMask, or, or anything else, you can unlock my blog. And just for the sake of it, the, the funds, actually, I don't collect, I don't keep them. I'm actually transferring them to She256, which I think is a great organization right. to bring in diversity. So we you're not paying me. A few mentors here. Too. Yeah. You're not paying me if you do that. So know that you're actually contributing money and it's cheap. It's like $1.50 or something. So mm -hmm. not, not a crazy amount. So, but basically that version works. You can already, if you have a blog, lock content on your blog and only the people that have paid to view that content will see this. Mm -hmm. So that's V0. Uh, the next step is V1, which is what I, called, which I described earlier as the way for people with no knowledge or no care about crypto to actually unlock the content with their credit cards. Mm -hmm. And that's coming, that's coming for June. Uh, in parallel to that, we're going to have different apps. Uh, so an email newsletter app, patronage app, maybe even a, an, uh, an event app. So you organize like a meetup and say, hey, rather than using Eventbrite, uh, you can create a lock for that place, a physical lock, basically, in that mm -hmm. sense. Where, and you see that at the door and only the people that actually have purchased the key uh, using crypto can actually attend the, the meetup. So this... Um You'll, you'll be able to accept credit cards by June? Yes. Okay. Um, not now? Not now. Okay. So, so that, that's the, I'd say, the next milestone. That's the next that, big that's milestone. That's a big one because yes. now you can onboard anybody and then you can just be the behind-the-scenes provider. Exactly. Right? Um, it's actually interesting that you say provider because one thing that we're actually working on is building our own provider in the Web3.js sense. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. you're familiar with these like uh, Web3.js library, but there's MetaMask is a provider. Um, if you use like another um, like crypto wallet, there's a provider inside there. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an unlock provider um, that basically is a way for you to unlock the content that you care about. Interesting. Um, one thing that um, I, I think it sounds like still a ways out, but is an obvious uh, extension of this is being able to bundle custom subscriptions, right? Yep. Um, and so at least when we first yeah. started speaking, like that was that was yeah. one of the one of the killer apps, right? How do you very cleanly? Um, I think that's actually already forth, possible. Right? I mean, to do that today. Uh, right. So basically, think of the lock as something that doesn't know on which it sits. Uh, I always joke with the teams like the, the lock doesn't know on which door it is. So we could create a lock together and get like the address of that lock, which is zero x a b c blah blah blah, mm -hmm. and then put both of I mean the snippet on our sites mm -hmm. and the same snippet with the same lock address. Which, mean, which means that if somebody purchases a key on my site, now they can read your site and the other way around. Mm -hmm. So it's really simple to actually build bundles where basically you just have one shared lock between multiple organizations. In theory, this, this goes to the two-sided market problem, right? So, so, but this requires the publisher's buy-in, right? They, they must have a relationship with Unlock. Mm, not, I mean, what do you call a relationship with Unlock? Um, 
where they're allowing you to yeah, put they need to put the snippet on their they, okay. they need to put the snippet on their site. But if they put the same snippet on it's, it's that's an action. That's an action. exactly those, yeah. Right? It's, it's, so. it's basically yes. That mm-hmm. that's something that we can't get rid of basically. Yep. Like we can't force people to accept payment for this this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But if they put that snippet on their sites, now the lock will collect the funds from both of us, basically mm-hmm. our sites. And then we'll have to agree on how we split this. And if we want to go all in in the decentralized world, we can put like a DA. So the lock, instead of being owned by either you or I, could be owned by a DAO, which has the rules on how we split revenues in that front. Sure. So that could be something that, in, in my mind, would be kind of a, a way to kind of restore the web rings from the early 2000s. Like there's a bunch of like bloggers go together and say, hey, we're all about the same thing. You could create a lock. Each of them put that lock on their websites, and now the money goes to a, a shared organization that either pays for one engineer to help people set up things, mm-hmm. or contributes money to stuff that a nonprofit that they care about, or even like splits them, split the money evenly between all of these people. Does this sit alongside uh, the other options in the checkout process right now, similar to what you'd see? You know, Coinbase has their checkout, BitPay has their checkout. So, so would you um, be able to work in conjunction? with those service providers as an app, like a meta app, or, or is it gonna be uh, credit card, PayPal, Coinbase, and, then, un- and then Unlock as, as, as a that's meta option? So the way we see Unlock is not so much as competing with these things, like we're not, so, we're not just about the checkout process, we're actually mm-hmm. very little about the checkout process. Our value, I think, is in the access control protocol. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like in the perfect world, uh, we could say, hey, put the lock on your site, um, People with crypto that are using MetaMask can pay for this right away. If people don't have MetaMask, they can use a credit card. But if somebody wants to use Bitcoin, we could say, you know what, pay us in Bitcoin and then we'll do the Ethereum transaction on chain on behalf of you, basically. Mm-hmm. So that way you kind of have an, another step removed from the, like you take whatever crypto um, gateways you use and you put that on top of your uh, paywall uh, system. Most information businesses are, are struggling right now, right? Yep. Um, so I think there's, uh, there's a uh, and I want to believe element to, to this story. Yeah. Um, how how do you measure or, or at least conceptualize the potential market opportunity for something like this? Like how much how much value does it actually unlock? It's 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 a very good question and definitely one of the big questions of like why we do this. Um, my big belief is that subscriptions. Uh, at this point, already yield more money than ads. If you think about ads, you can say, hey, mm-hmm. all right, it's gonna be hard to charge a million people for $5 a month. Yes, that's true, it's gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. But making the same kind of revenue with ad, with CPM at this point is even harder. Basically, um, even if you charge only $1 a month per user, it's a lot more than what the ads for that user actually bring you. So mm-hmm. it's not so much a matter of um, of finding charging enough than it's being able to convert as many people. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the big challenge is conversion. And that's also one thing where we're pretty bullish at uh, on Unlock is the idea that if many websites use the same protocol, use the same layout, use the same, uh, not layout, like the same pattern, right? But like the same APIs and the same again, protocol, uh, we can reduce friction. If people are used to pay for things easily across many different websites, then it becomes trivial to actually do so on yet another website. One thing that we strongly believe in as well is as I said earlier, the key that you acquire is a non-fungible token. It's literally mm-hmm. something that you can trade. There, I believe strongly that in the future, you can have a New York Times subscription, a key to the New York Times lock, and maybe tomorrow you go to the Washington Post website, it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't have a subscription. You could very easily swap your New York Times for a Washington Post one. And then you can swap for a Netflix one if you want to watch uh, Netflix in the evening. So in practice, you end up purchasing one single key at the beginning of the month, mm-hmm. kind of a master key, and then you swap this back and forth based on your usage 
of the web. And to me, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and that's a benefit of having a shared protocol. And reducing friction in that sense means higher conversions for everyone. One, one thing um, that strikes me as, as possible if you built the access control system is to just better protect people's payment information. That is um, also true, yeah. So uh, I have a, uh, yeah, I don't, know, I don't even know how many subscriptions I have, but I know that there's a lot of different vendors that, that have my personal information. And hypothetically, uh, someone should be able to go through a single outlet. And this is kind of what PayPal has yeah. done very effectively, but you know, some of the crypto companies are starting to do with, with Bitcoin. Um, but if this is a decentralized access control protocol, would you have personal information if you're accepting credit cards? No. I mean, oh, yes. So unlike the company, if we're taking the credit card payment, we'll have... But, but, not, if it, but not if it's crypto. You can be But not if it's crypto. Exactly. If it's crypto, we don't know who you are. The only thing that we know of you at this point is your Ethereum public address, which is probably already too much. And we're working on, and it's hard, working on creating what we call a zero proof, uh, mm-hmm. a zero knowledge, basically, lock, where... We don't like you can't list the key owners. You can somebody can just prove that they have a key uh, without exposing who they are, or what they have. So that's something that we hope to be working on in the future. For now, I think the easy recommendation is you can create as many public private key pairs, and you can buy different things with different public private key pairs. So people can't map these things out. What is uh, what does success look like by the end of the year? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, actually, think about this. Uh, earlier this, this month, um, I think would be mass adoption by at mass. Okay, let's clarify this. Uh, significant adoption. That, that would be success. That would be success. So significant adoption by publications or websites that don't necessarily target crypto people. I believe that one mm-hmm. of the big challenges in the crypto world at this point is, I mean, there's two things, but one thing that I wish crypto would do more is kind of self-dog food. I've seen a lot of people say, all right, crypto is the future. And when say, hey, are you being paid in, in like a, I mean, not even crypto, I mean, not even crypto, not mm-hmm. even like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but a stable coin. They're like, eh, it's too complicated. Like, I don't want, it's like, well, you should put your money where your mouth is in some yeah. way, right? So that's one side. But I think on the other side, at this point, we all are pretty convinced of our own, like, all right, sure, this is going to be mm-hmm. this. Um, we need now to get more people in this. And I think the only way to do that is to have useful applications that are actually using crypto. And so, I know there's been a lot of criticism of, say, CryptoKitties last year, like, mm-hmm. what's the game, it's like, blah, blah. But at the same time, I think it brought a lot of people, it brought awareness around crypto for a lot of people that had no idea what crypto was. And that's actually one thing that I'm very hopeful about Unlock is that we can eventually have people start to pay for stuff that they care about online, mm-hmm. eventually figure out, like, you know what, looks like I've been using crypto all the way without really knowing about it. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you make the comment about uh, crypto companies not dog fooding, like, their own product. Um, I I've thought about this a bit too. You know, my general take is that the community, in terms of using other products within the community, it's um, it's very siloed. Uh, so I agree with that. I, I do think, on the other hand, one of the reasons is because everybody is uh, their success is hyper correlated to the market, right? Yeah. So you're already taking on so much market risk that to take on like derivative risk for the like, other other startups, yeah. right? Um, and and, and uh, the flip side of that, that was uh, in many ways what was fascinating about the ICO boom because that went out the window because everybody was like actually much more incentivized to collaborate yep. because uh, everybody's, you know, Older, experiencing the rising tide, right? Yeah. So, so there was uh, maybe, you know, uh, uh, for the good teams anyway, not, the, not the, the, the outright scams, but the good teams, it was, you know, a type of rising tide environment that I, I wonder if we'll, we'll see that replicated anytime soon. I mean, I hope so. And it's definitely, a, I mean, last year when you, like some, or two years ago, when you see project, they're building like everything from the wallet to their own stable yeah. coin to this. 
And I feel like this is slowly starting to phase out. Like, mm-hmm. like people are like, no, we're only building one thing and it's already pretty hard. And that is also something that we've been, I wouldn't say culprit of, but like we've at some point say, hey, we're gonna build this. Like, no, you know what? There's actually somebody that does better than us for that component, so we're gonna use their stuff. And I think like stable coins is a pretty obvious one. Like we're gonna introduce what we call stable locks, where basically mm-hmm. the price of keys is using a stable coin. And we're gonna use like you DAI and maybe even USDC or other existing stable coins rather than create our own and say, hey, this is a stable coin that we power. Like, no, there's people that are smarter than us building something that seems to be working and getting adoption. Let's use that. It's gonna make the whole ecosystem better. Julian, thanks for the conversation. We're gonna get going. We have 20 minutes left where Julian is going to beat me over the head until Masari uh, uses Unlock. Uh, so this is a perfect segue for that last uh, Thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having me. We'll do it again soon. Sure. Until uh, next time, be good guys. Peace.